the dead deer boys. Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers. And I'm co-host Travis Owen. And on today's episode, we are talking with Alex Bledsoe from Final Pass Outdoors. Alex is a local guy from the area here, and he's been slaying ducks for the last few years. And we wanted to talk a little bit about early season geese and, and early season teal. Right, and this guy, he's been hammering them for uh, quite a few years now. He, last year, uh, his last season in his group killed over 700 birds so it's uh quite a feat so yeah and he's got a lot of good stuff for us and we had fun just talking and bullshitting and finding out a little bit about his tactics to hunt in the early season and we're just kind of scratching that itch for travis as we we're getting closer to the waterfowl season i know he's been itching to talk about it and you know, it, it was a good conversation. I really had a good time with him. Yeah, and we'll we'll dive deeper into everything as uh, the season goes on. But uh, we just kind of, like you said, scratch the surface of it um, just right before early season. So maybe uh, give you guys some pointers and give you guys something to think about this season. Absolutely. Well, guys, I appreciate you listening and tuning in to another podcast. We'll go ahead and get into it. Well, we're rolling, and uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. Travis has been chomping at the bit to talk waterfowl. I mean, so much as he tries to throw in waterfowl tactics during all of our (laughs) whitetail podcasts. So we finally had to scratch that itch for him and and get somebody on to talk about these birds. So, Alex, it's nice to meet you, first of all. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into hunting? For sure. So, uh, first off, thanks for having me appreciate being here but uh we started we started our page our really our freshman year of college and we really we really did it because we just you know thought it was neat at the time to kind of have our own brand that like all our all of our buddies rocked you know and uh and we kind of got into the content creation we like making videos nothing crazy just the two or three minute you know hype videos you'll see and heck yeah we make a couple of them a year, and it's always a good time, but that's that's mainly what it is for us. We don't guide or anything like that. It's just a good group of guys having a good time. And what's uh, the brand name? Final Pass Outdoors. Final Pass Outdoors. Yes, I like sir. it. I like the hat, too. You know, cool logo. Appreciate it. You got on you. So uh, you got into hunting, I guess, waterfowl hunting is what you, you started out doing no, right actually, off the bat? I actually started deer and turkey hunting with my dad when I was you know, in elementary school, and we shot a few deer and turkey here and there, and then when I was 12, I got taken on a youth duck hunt, and I don't know what it was, but we it was me, my dad, and one of my dad's buddies. We only shot one hen mallard, it was, it was my first duck, but it, it came in, you know, and it was back flapping 10 yards from me, and I was, I was hooked. Dude, was that's over. the thing. It's a switch that just <laughs> It was, just it was clicks. over. I mean, yeah. was, I just could not care about deer anymore at all. Like, it right oh gosh i had i mean i was i was bow hunting and me and my dad had a pretty good little spot right outside town and you know he'd walk down the trail a couple hundred yards go to his stand i'd go to mine as soon as i got my driver's license sold my bow for my own duck decoys and i was off oh wow didn't have to rely on anybody anymore and i could scout and drive around go to the conservation areas you know the drill so right i don't know the drill well yeah dude and uh actually uh Alex and I hadn't really hunted together at all until about what three or four years ago. There was that dry feed. Oh, we got a dirty oh dry feed. Oh my gosh, dude! Oof. It was the only dry mallard feed I've ever ever 
done, and it was absolutely insane. I mean, we we shot a seven man of Mallards one afternoon, and I mean it was it was unreal. It was just like, and we we were giggling no like we we had no wind, so it took a while. But we were just giggling like kids in the layouts because it's just a flock of a hundred, <laughs> then a flock of five hundred, then holy crap, here's a thousand more. I mean I've Dude, never seen that many ducks in my life. Like, I've, it, I've still got videos of it, and man, it was. It was to one point there were so many birds in the air they flew over our spread and I just remember just hearing like patter all around us I was like what the hell was that and somebody's like dude I think we just got shit on like <laughs> I mean it was wild there was just so many birds and uh, like like he said we had no wind if we would have had wind we would have limited it out in 20 30 minutes and well the the problem was since there was no wind they couldn't get down so we we would have a group a big group you know, 50 yards above us, just out of range circling. And we would have another couple hundred ducks, another 20, 30 yards ahead of them. And it stacked up like three or four times where we just had multiple massive wads of ducks. It was like four or five stories of circling mallards. And I mean, everybody in the blinds, I'm just like, if you got a, you got a duck call in your hand, you just need to feed or chuckle and because everybody's running out of breath because there's so many ducks in the air the entire hunt. I mean, it's just like from 3 o'clock until dark. It so, was one of the coolest hunts I've been on. For sure. For sure. I got two questions out of that. Yeah. You said a dry mallard hunt. Is that just because there was no wind, or does that mean something else? It, it, so it's a dry feed. So instead of like being in a marsh or on a pond or whatever, decoying birds, we're in, uh, I believe it was a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Um, we set up on a grass strip and uh, just had full body goose and duck decoys all around us. And... Uh, and yeah, just hunting dry feeds. A lot of people do it for geese, um, but for ducks, I mean, in the Dakotas, they do it a lot. But yeah, up north, they'll they'll dry feed hunt a lot. Like I've got a buddy in Wisconsin, and he thinks we're insane for all the water we hunt down there. Because every time I go up there, we're hunting. I mean, we're not wearing waders. We're in boots, dry feed every time. Okay. And, and it's uh yeah, it's a totally different hunt. So it's super desirable here mainly because we don't do it, you know. The, the guys that hunt dry feeds all the time want to hunt water and then us guys who hunt water all the time we right. want to hunt dry feeds, you know. Grass Just, is always green. Uh, so. yep. Yeah. Still words right out of my mouth. So another thing is that you said that everybody needed to do the feeder chuckle. Like mm-hmm. is that something that was going to get them down closer uh, to you guys? Is that what well, the strategy it's something was? That, it's something that kind of I mean, everybody can do and it if one person drops out of it, you really don't notice it as much. So if you're like throwing cadences at them, like a cadence is just, you know, a four or five note, just, and you can tell when somebody drops out of a group of guys doing it, but a feeder chuckle, if everybody's doing a feeder chuckle and one guy, it stops to take a breath or a couple breaths, like you don't know because it's just a like a little chatter kind of a and noise. Everyone can make that noise, so you know the two or three more advanced callers are doing different stuff, and then everybody else just letting them chuckle along. Yeah. Usually okay. we don't call that much, but there were so many ducks. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like it was going to hurt anything. You're just blending right in, right? Probably. And, like, and we had, I mean, I don't know how many decoys we had. It was a ridiculous yeah, a lot. Amount. I mean, we we threw the spread at them for sure. I mean, yeah. there was. 20, 30,000 ducks hitting this field. I mean, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> was, yeah, you might think I'm exaggerating, but I mean, it was insane. No. I've never seen any more ducks in a field. We watched them for a few days and then weekend came, everybody could go and we got on them. Well, I had uh, Travis show me the ropes last year about how to waterfowl hunt, and we got a couple hunts in together, shot right. my first teal. There you go. And uh, did a mallard hunt, and I kind of mostly just videoed you guys shooting some mallards and, you know, Travis just kept talking highly of 
this Alex Bledsoe guy, Alex <laughs> Bledsoe guy, and that, and that just you know, I'm like, I think we need to talk to him. He yeah, probably knows dude, a thing or two about dude, this guy grinds when, geese. I, yeah? Last year when I was killing no geese, which granted he was in Kansas <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, but he just is a, I mean, he's a, a goose grinder, man. It just, and, I mean, mainly comes down to you know trial and error. You knock on ten doors, you'll get told no nine times probably, but that one time you get a yes, it's worth it. So, I mean, are you just you said that down here in Missouri, where we're at, and we're always looking at water sources. I guess you see a water source, you're, you know, looking at whatever you look at. We have Onyx, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, you find the find out who owns it, and you go knock and see mm-hmm. on every single water source. Or is there something that really stands out to you that? separates i usually don't like to just not i mean i find enough loaves or roosts or feeds or whatever that i i typically don't like to ask until i see the birds there just because i mean you can you can get permission to somewhere where you'll never necessarily shoot anything you know yeah so i, I mean that's that's my big thing is i scout a lot i mean that's that's what it takes for yeah. ducks and geese if if you're not willing to scout then you need to be a conservation land guy that just goes and draws which there's nothing wrong with that some guys don't have time to scout. Some guys would rather shoot ducks, so more power to them. But I like shooting the big honkers. So scouting is probably really important. Yeah, for it's, it's the most for important. Geese. For I mean, geese, it's you got to do it. And if you want to obtain numbers, I guess. I mean, you can probably go sit any around any lake in mid-Missouri and you can shoot a honker or two, you know. But yeah. if you really want to you really want to grind. I didn't tell you that. But. <laughs> yeah, and, and – uh, I have a harder time hunting geese, but most of the time I'm trying to hunt geese over water too. And in my neck of the woods, it's a lot more hilly than where you live. Mm -hmm. You guys have a bunch of flat ground, a lot of uh, fields, and uh, that you can actually see geese across the field. And uh, in my area, it's more, man, you got to be, you know, you got to be real close to know exactly either that or you have to follow them from the roost and that takes a lot of time so you have to have time off work or or whatever and you have to be able to follow them um but i i've had some successful goose hunts i mean i've had successful goose hunts with you but uh that was actually a crazy hunt where we killed those 40 birds on yeah that was wild on a lake yeah it was real wild <laughs> we yeah. ended up killing a band that day we ended up killing a uh it technically i guess it was a quill lake but it just had a big old white spot on its chest no, it was but, definitely a quill it was but, a nice bird. but it was it was a super cool hunt um i think we had 13 or 14 guys out there and we all limited it out yeah we had a lot of people out there that day yeah Dang. i mean i actually left i left the halfway point unfortunately right i had a buddy with me that was from out of state and he had to get back so yeah but i still had a great time regardless while i was there we definitely hammered him yeah yeah and we had one flock come in it was right after you guys yeah, left, oh, dude. I know. there was one flock came in and uh we had there was uh i guess there was eight of us still and we didn't have enough layout blinds for everybody. I had cedar thrown up over me. I was in between two blinds with a bunch of cedar just thrown over me. And another guy uh, stuck a bunch of cedar in the ground and just kind of used it almost like a little hut blind or whatever. And he sat on a bucket. And, uh, well, we were stretched out for, I don't know, probably 30 yards or so. And these we had a crosswind. So uh, 
instead of the wind being straight from our backs, which would put the honkers uh, back flapping facing us, uh, the wind was coming from our left, going to our right, and so the geese came from our right, coming into our left, and uh, there was there was this flock of probably, I don't know, probably 15 birds, and uh, they all came in, and they were stretched out, I mean, perfect, and by the time the... La- the first goose got to my right. I called the shot, and we all pulled up, and we dropped eight birds out of that group. And uh, it was it was just absolutely wild. Every bird that the only bad thing about that was every bird I went to you know set up on for my second or my third shot, they just they were all falling already. So it's but it was wild, dude. And that was I mean that was one of my more memorable hunts. But this is about early season so i guess we ought to change <laughs> was gears. that not early season i guess that was late season yeah oh, okay. that was in january and uh still man. cool it's really cool you know it shows that you guys have had some really fun hunts in the yeah. in the past and that you kill birds yeah, you know man. i, Do I wouldn't really want to get a guy on podcast that doesn't know how to kill birds wouldn't learn much from yeah. a guy <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> oh love keys out of here <laughs> But, yeah. yeah, so teal's coming up September 11th, and then early goose is, uh, like, October. It's the first two weekends in October. Yeah. I forget the dates off top, but. Yeah, and and I'm excited for, I haven't been able to hunt early goose season here for, man, ever since high school, because yeah. I've always been out on the road working, but this year I'm going to be home, and uh, hopefully, I've got a few places lined up fairly close to the Mississippi River. And uh, I'm going to try to traffic some just on some migration days or whatever. I've never never tried trafficking, but I know of some people who have a lot of good luck doing it. So I don't know. Have you ever done much traffic on? Not in, not in early season. I mean, what I've found with early season is if you have the birds, it's relatively easy. You know, even if it's 60 or 70 birds that, I've, you know, we would not even really look at during regular season. Right. You can still go in there and scratch out a four or five man with your buddies and have a good time. But the last couple of years, I don't know. I, did, I haven't seen nearly as high of a resident population as there has been right. since we've, you know, been in high school four or five years ago. Yeah. I yeah. don't know what it is, but. I was, well, I've been, I've been uh, paying attention pretty close. And in the spring we had a. flying north and then like last week i saw a group of like 80 that were feeding in a bean field but besides that i've seen zero and it's not like i'm not looking for them and i don't know because it seems like uh when we were in high school i was working for a farmer outside of uh my hometown and it was like all summer long we had probably two or three mating pairs with goslings everywhere all summer so I'm not sure what the what's changing, but something definitely is. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like we usually get on one or two decent hunts, but we haven't had a crazy early season hunt in three or four years now. Right. The, I'm curious, what is trafficking a bird? So trafficking a bird is uh, instead of so you have X hunts and then you have traffic hunts. So X hunts are basically you're either seeing where they're loafing, you're seeing where they're feeding. And you you get what time they're starting to get there. You get out there the next day 
before they get there, set up all your decoys. You're hunting on the X. You're hunting where they want to be. And basically all you have to do then is just not screw hide, it. Yeah, hide but, well and show up. Right, just don't screw it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, a traffic hunt is more you're pulling birds from where they either they don't know where they're going to be because they're new in town or they're, they know where they have been wanting to go and you're using calling power and a lot of the time sheer numbers and of decoys and you're pulling them to a place that they don't necessarily usually go or want to go. Um, and it's a lot harder of a hunt, but I've seen guys be very successful at it. And, but you gotta be, you gotta have several really good callers. Yeah. You have to have great calling with trafficking typically. Yeah. Is it like more decoys, the better or on a traffic hunt? Most of the time. I mean, some people love doing it. I personally don't traffic hunt unless, you know, we absolutely cannot get on the X, whether it's can't get permission, it's, you know, in city limits, could be anything. But we've definitely had a couple of good traffic hunts, though, where, like Travis said, we know where the roost is, it's in town, we know what field they're using, and then we just set up in a field in between the field they're using, so they have to fly over us. And most of them won't look at you, but if you get two or three decent watts to look at you, then there you go, you're in business. Right, and then you can scratch out your limit that way. Yep. And But, like I said, I mean, you don't want to just go out there if you don't know how to how to call very well or whatever, then you don't want to just go out there, set up a million decoys and then not call or not call well because you're convincing them that you are real geese and they just found a new feed that the old geese or the geese flying over just never noticed before. And you're you're basically saying, hey, there's a great party down here. You know, come join. And, you know, if you don't know who the geese are, you know, it's just like walking past a, a party. And if you don't know who they are, you know, you might not go or you might go, you know. Just depends on how welcoming they are. Right. There yeah. De- depends on if they're like, you know, if everybody's just staring at you, you're probably going to just walk on by, you know. But if everybody's like, hey, man, come on, come join us, have a drink. you know. Oh, shucks. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that's. The difference between trafficking and, and sounds like a, a little bit more of a challenge. It's much harder. Yeah, yeah, a lot harder. But it's probably a lot more rewarding if oh, you get when it, it done. When it happens, it's it's kind of crazy because sometimes you'll pull those flocks that are just up in the heavens, and you know somebody that's sitting there with you in the blind. Oh, there's no chance. Don't call it those. There's no way they're coming yeah. down. And then when they just lock up and spin down, it dude, takes you're a while. just like, oh my gosh, it's like magic. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's. It, that's what makes it or breaks it, and, you know, is birds who you can fool. If you can fool a bird and they're, you know, going to commit suicide because of it, then, like, dude, it's a great feeling. <laughs> you know, if you just talked him into joining your party, it's there's nothing like it whenever they start locking up and just, especially the ones that are either real far out or real high, and all of a sudden, you know, because they're, they're probably not catching every note you're you're calling out, but they're hearing enough that they lock their wings, and then you're like, well, you know, these these birds are as long as you're hidden well, these birds are gonna they're gonna die, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just exciting because there's a lot more of a buildup than you know just sitting there talking with your buddies. Everybody's had a a duck or a goose that just flew in, and you didn't you know nobody even saw them coming, 
and all of a sudden there's a goose in your decoys and you're like, holy crap, everybody, you know, there's yeah, a we build had that up. a couple times. There's a build up, and that's that's where it's at, I think. Well, I mean, but, yeah, that's the that's the fun in it to me is is watching them work in. So if you get to watch them work from a thousand feet in the air, then that's yeah, wild. That anticipation gets the adrenaline pumping and everybody's ready. Yeah, on the edge yeah. of their seat. Yeah, that seems like a good time. Which that's that's one reason why I like teal hunting so much is is man they're they're not especially for new hunters i feel like teal are some of the easiest birds to work and yeah they're fast and they might not sit down in your spread but they're gonna they're gonna come check you out and they're gonna check you out real close and close enough to shoot them so whenever that's how i got really started in duck hunting i never went to duck parks and i never went to and by duck parks i mean conservation ground uh but I not never, the park in town. Or not the park in town, no. Uh, but instead of, you know, a lot of people grew up like that or hunting on the rivers and stuff like that with their with their family. And I I didn't grow up in a in a duck or goose hunting family. Um, I bought I went with a buddy one time, like you. I killed a, a mallard, one one mallard drake, and. Uh, and then it was on, and I bought my own decoys, and I was going out on irrigation ponds. I didn't know; I had never even hardly seen ducks around where I lived, and I would just, I just started going. And in teal season, you know, in late season, I might kill half a limit if I was lucky, but in teal season, it was like the birds were there one day, and then they were gone the next. But if you hit it right, it was just absolutely wild because i'd have groups of you know 80 birds come work me in this little irrigation pond in the middle of nowhere where i've never seen ducks or geese before and it was just you're just out there calling and you don't have to be that good of a caller either as long as there's not a bunch of guys hunting around you if you're just making noise you know duck noises they hear it they're gonna come check you out whenever they do I mean, a lot of the times they land, a lot of the times they don't, but it's group after group after group. In early September, mid-September, those birds are just coming down from, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin and the Dakotas, and and they're, they're just hungry. They're making their migration. They're the first ones to migrate south. So I think they end up in, like, Argentina or somewhere. Or I think Texas. some of them make it that far south, yeah. Wow. And so they're just they're trying to land eat as much as they can, maybe rest for a day and then fly further. And I know by our teal season, there's already a bunch of them in Louisiana. So it's, it's one of those things you just got to catch the wave as it comes down and it doesn't come down all in one big wave. There's, you know, you might catch a wave, you know, back to back to back and then have three days dry spell and then catch another one. Or, you know, you might not hit anything for two or three days and then all of a sudden, there's you know 80 birds working you at a time and it's every five or ten minutes and and then the next day it's nothing so it teals it's like uh, teal season is just it's a nice warm-up right it's a good warm-up and especially for guys that uh don't have a lot of experience duck hunting you really don't have to call i mean i literally used to they're either gonna be there or they're not yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think the last couple of years, the first weekend's always money, and the second weekend's okay. And then, like Travis said, by then they're they're south. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and last year though, uh, I had a buddy that went on an irrigation pond that I would have not expected it, but it was the last day of season and he caught a wave and they killed, I think 14 or whatever. There's four guys and they killed 14. So not bad, you know, and pretty good little shoot, you know, but it's, yeah, teal season is that's where I always enjoyed the most whenever I was a kid because I didn't even I didn't even know about all the like you know public areas that you could go that hold you know mallards and canvasbacks and pintails and all that. I was just I didn't know how people did. I just was learning, you know. And teal was always a banger of a hunt to me because I could limit out, but. Yeah, no, that's really cool, you know, it's kind of how you, you know, got your feet wet a little bit and started getting really interested in waterfowl is kind of learning by yourself mm-hmm. and finding out that, oh, hey, there's there's other ducks out yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. I've been hunting these ducks this early season and, you know, just kind of scratch be- a few out here or there yeah. or whatever and I was happy with it because like Alex said you know it just gets you warmed up for right. uh, exactly. what's to come because it gets a whole lot crazier and yeah everybody's been it? you know eating to get after him for the last what six seven months oh now so gosh, when he'll yeah. come around it's like I don't care if it's 85 degrees and I'm sweating in my way right. like, I'm getting out there yeah no for sure and last year uh me and um a couple of my buddies we went scouting and we found a hole, and man, we we had uh, I believe there was five or six of us, and we all limited out. I mean, and it was, it, I'm not. There was a bunch of people hunting that same hole, but last year opening day, it just rained its butt off opening morning, and there was guys I I saw on Facebook there was guys that literally went out there and like camped. And like slept in the parking lots and stuff, and Not I was like, serious. I was like, man, y'all are crazy, you know? Because there's, they literally sat from midnight. They walked out there at midnight so that they could get their spot or whatever, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, more power to you, you whatever, (laughs) but I'm not going to do that. And they got rained on, and it wasn't that great that morning, I don't believe. And then we just went later in the day, and we smacked the crap out of them. I mean. So, got some sleep. Right, yeah. We stayed dry. We slept in. We didn't even get up till like 7 o'clock, and I was like, well, you know, people are going to kill their limits or whatever and get out of there and whenever we got there later in the morning we were like well how'd everybody do and everybody pulling in we're like man it was crap like we killed four or whatever and there's four guys <laughs> and I was like I mean man really glad I didn't do that and I was like well, let's go do something else you know let's go scout some other areas so we went and scouted some other areas and then we went back to that spot a little bit later in the day and I like I said it was just back to back to back just groups and groups and groups and it just had to clear up you know yeah do you guys find that uh after a good rain it starts to clear up a little bit you're gonna get a little more action I mean for me unfortunately the nastier the weather the weather usually the better the hunting okay I mean when when you know a, a snow or a heavy rain's coming in the birds want to eat so right you, you always want to try to be in a field right when before it's raining or as it's raining because it seems like they're always trying to get out there and get that fill. last meal. Yep. Yeah. Before and, it gets too crazy. And on teal, a lot of my best mornings were like 
a thunderstorm that's coming from the north, you, you know, that night and then that morning it might be drizzling a little bit and you're throwing decoys out or whatever right before it gets dark, you know, right before it gets light. As soon as it turns light, you know, those birds have been moving through the storm and trying to get south as far as they can and, and they're ready to sit down right then. And at the second it's even a little bit of light, if you can make some noise, you're going to have birds landing in your, in your spread before shooting time even. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm not saying it's worth it to be out there in a thunderstorm necessarily. Right, yeah. No, I'm not saying go out in a thunderstorm <laughs> Just try either. to maybe. But if it's drizzling or there's a light rain, I've definitely done well multiple times. Or we've had times where we see a huge storm coming in and we're like, okay, let's, let's wait for the storm to blow through. And, you know, we wanted to be in the field at 7 in the morning. Instead, we don't get there until 9.30. Well, we get there at 9.30, it's still raining pretty good. Our whole field's stacked with birds. Yeah. So, kind of shot ourselves in the foot, but we just waited till Sunday, right. and then it was all good. Yeah. <laughs> a little jump shooting going on. Yeah. No, 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 not around here. Yeah. No? No, I don't, I don't, I don't like jump shooting. That's, no. that's, that's not fun to me. The fun is watching the birds work, you know? Sure. For me, anyway. But No, I... I, I just curious. I, I'm new at this, so I'll say with, with snow geese, you know, I, I understand you're trying to kill as many as possible. You know, they're right. messing the tundra up north. I get it, but I just I don't have fun in just killing the bird. You know what I mean? I mean that is the icing on the you. cake. But working, you know, setting up the decoys, finding the spot to hunt, hiding the, all the setup, and then watching the bird work that that's what does it for me. All the hard work kind of coming to fruition is is that's where it's at 100 percent. just if you can get birds to backpedal like in your face 20 yards out and they're you know two foot over the water it might make you drop deer hunting i'm just saying <laughs> i'm looking forward to that hunt because we just couldn't really get the timing right last year yeah last seemed like year. every hunt we went on just ended up being well, it was they were good hunts. Don't get me wrong, but they weren't those hunts that you're talking about. You know, right. Top top five, remember forever type deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's man, there. I've been through so many crap hunts, but whenever you hit the those hunts that are like a one steak sauce, it's like you will remember them forever. Like I went up to a conservation area two years ago, I believe, and. uh my buddy had hunted it literally the prior day because here a lot of the public areas you it's called pulling a pill, and then you get to decide what you know spot you're gonna hunt. And he pulled the same pill both days, which is pill two because somebody stole pill one, <laughs> and so they used pill two as pill one. And was he, that Shanks? No, no, no. That was up north. Not really. Yeah, and he pulled uh, he pulled the same pill both days. <sighs> And the he, my buddy said, "Listen, this is this guy's second hunt of all time, and he literally his other hunt was yesterday." He said, "Don't shoot any hen pintails and don't shoot any hen mallards." And I was like, "Bet, you know, okay." So we went out there, and uh, it we sat there all day, but we picked off all green head mallards, and they ended up killing. Uh, Oh, what was it? They they ended up killing pintail hens at the end of the day because they just didn't fly. There was it was it turned kind of cloudy for like fifteen minutes and there was pintails everywhere, but they were like all hens. And 
there was a couple of sprigs and I, I kept on pulling up and just missing, but that was before I had ever killed a, a, a pintail drake. And it was like, every time that I got a chance at a pintail drake, I just got nervous and whiffed like super bad. But last year, last year, marked that one off the bucket list. So pintail drakes will no longer be an issue. I don't believe. (laughs) Hopefully. What's the next one? I got to ask, I'll ask you, what's your, what's your dream bird? And then I'll ask you, Alex, what your dream bird is. I would say it's, Probably a black duck, but I don't know. I'd always I'd love to go up, way up north and kill you know the king eider, but that's top of just or or a harlequin. Mm-hmm. Har- Harlequins are probably the prettiest bird in my opinion. I'd probably go with harlequin. Okay, yeah, you can shoot those on the Great Lakes, I think. Can you? Pretty sure. I might have to take a trip. <laughs> yeah, it's not too far. Yeah, we may have somebody. Yeah. And- Wisconsin, I think that's yeah. I know a couple guys up there. There's yeah. a lot of black ducks up there. Is it really in Wisconsin? Yeah, they. My buddy up there shoots quite a few every year. Every time I'm up there and we don't shoot one, and then next <laughs> weekend I'm in Missouri. He's in Wisconsin and they shoot a couple, and I'm, it's like sick. <laughs> I definitely want to kill a black duck too, but I'd say my dream bird is probably a pintail mallard hybrid, which I yeah, know, those probably things. won't ever see, but right. they're like, so pretty. I mean, it's it's unreal. They just have the perfect characteristics from each drake, and you, it morphed into one bird. It, it's like a pintail, but the brown markings on his head are green, and the his, his pin, or his quill, whatever you want to call it, just has a slight arc to it. Just a little half-ass black sprig. Oh, dude. Oh, man. It's it's awesome. I mean, they're, they're I mean, usually what I'd probably see four or five killed on Facebook every year, just yeah. around the country, around the entire yeah, country. Not like people. I, I, I mean, there's a lot, I think I know, I know of one guy who actually lives around here who shot one at Grand Pass a couple of years ago. Dang. Yeah, I mean it's, it happens. It's, it's, yeah. it's sheer luck. Well, it's well, sheer luck. Uh, but still, it's awesome. I mean, if I shot one, could it's one hundred percent going in a glass box. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know Austin Carter. Do you know Austin Carter? I don't think so. Okay, he's from. Uh, well, we won't get into that. But <laughs> we won't he's from around here. Yeah, he's from around here. And well, last year was his first year he ever really got into it. He killed a beautiful pintail drake, and then he shot a black duck. <gasps> Dude, I was so. Like, I wasn't mad at him. I was just mad. <laughs> I was like, I've been hunting since I was 14, like, hard, and it's his first year, and he just, some it's, people just have all the luck. I yeah. Mean, it's just like those, you know, 12 or 13-year-old kids who play golf one time and hit the hole in one on their first round. It's right. like, come on. It's yeah. like all those youth hunters that kill your big buck. On yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Hey, more power to them, honestly. Right. That's what's, you know, as that's what somebody, sets the hook. As long as somebody gets them, right? Right. I'll bet you, Austin, I bet he's, you know, now you said he was a beginner. I bet he is so hooked now yeah, with no. having the luck that he had last year. Well, that's the thing. He has uh he had great luck last year. Yeah, so he's he's probably going to be addicted for life now if I had to guess. And he's just got he's last year he used his dog um quite a bit, but he's been doing a lot of work with uh Show Me Retrievers with uh, Eric Tison and they were doing 300 yard marks like uh, it was last week he was sending me videos and th- they ran the whole trailer, but uh I'm not sure if his dog was involved in that or not, but Either way, it's going to be, he's going to have a badass dog. And, I mean, Alex can attest, Murphy is pretty badass 
dog helped us a lot on that uh that lake hunt um quite a bit because it was a deep lake and i had to either get out in the kayak and go out there and pick them up or murphy had to go pick them up which was nice it was so it was either murphy too. or you as the retrievers right exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm going with murphy over travis yeah hey day. me too me too i don't like getting a kayak and waders <laughs> but yeah no hunting with a dog just i mean is makes it that much more fun yeah 10 times better if it's a de- at least a decent dog right yeah no the guys that go out with their dog that is usually just a lap dog 99 percent of the time here. yeah damn it dog <laughs> you know? yeah if his name if his first name's damn it that's usually a bad sign right right but uh but yeah so um, we were talking a lot about you know scouting and how important it was earlier on and we're getting near the teal season and the early goose season, and I'm just curious when you start to get real serious about that scouting. And I know I'm, as most people would say, I'm scouting year round, but to for it to uh, be applicable to the season, when are you starting to take notice on these? I mean, for water for teal, since since they're in here one day gone the next, I usually don't start until you know a week before season. Typically, okay. You know, some guys are different than others, but that seems to work out for me. Right, and for for teal, I like to. I usually just start, like he said, a week before season. Now, right now, I'm trying to get out into some places that uh, just to see, you know, what the food's like. What you know, if if it, especially places that I haven't been to, but I've always been curious. I'm going out there. I'm checking. Is it bare dirt? Is it persimmons dropping on the ground acorns is their nut sedge growing up you know what are the water levels if you're hunting a a river or something you know one year you can have a lot of water you could be you know waist deep in a in a a wood hole and just be clobbering them because there's nut sedge and and smart weed everywhere and uh and pound the crap out of them but other years the river's you know six feet lower that and same holes dry right that same holes super dry and and the only way to know is to get out there and check the only thing there is a few apps that i use that uh that i kind of keep track of water levels you can go in there and you can uh like drop a pin and that app constantly you know follows the 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 drop and rise of the river. So you can go in there whenever it is waist deep and you can mark it, you know, at this depth, it is, you know, prime for, for getting into this hole. And then sometimes once you get all of your holes marked, what the right time is, then you can go back into that app. And I think it's like river flow app or something, but you can go back in there and then you don't even have to visit the site because, at that point, if it's if the river's up to that point, you know it's gonna let you know, and then you don't have to go in there to know. Hey, you know it's really good. Or if let's say upriver they open a dam and now it just raised three foot last night or whatever, you know, you know it and and stuff like that is just a big time saver and, and anything you had to add. Yeah, I mean I, I hate walking into situations blind. I, I always like to have a plan. So kind of elaborating on what Travis was saying. You don't just because your teal hole was great last year doesn't mean you can walk in there and just expect the same thing. Results. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. 
Well, that that was uh, really good information because, I mean, a lot of guys wouldn't even think, oh, there's not going to be water here next year. Exactly. Right. They wouldn't even cross somebody's mind. And sometimes, you know, on the rivers, there's been – I've hunted fields where it's, like, absolutely flooded in teal season. Like, actual fields are flooded, and it's prime because nothing's eaten there in, at that point in the year. And you can set up in a tree line and just smack the crap out of them. But then the next year, you know, you're you're – down to you know big water which is you know lakes rivers ponds all you know all of that stuff or a marsh that either has water pumped into it or just is always wet um so that's that's important too and and sometimes when you're scouting for for teal or whatever you can kind of see like i've got a wood duck hole that i've mentioned before that has persimmons just dropping everywhere in it but persimmons don't drop at the same exact time every year so if you go there and they're dropping in teal season what are the chances that they're going to be dropping in regular duck season when you're actually going to be in there and hunting probably not that great i mean you can always double check and see if you know some trees are dropping at different times but it's you know you always need to make sure before you go hunt because Walking into situations blind is just going to get you frustrated and you're going to waste your own time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Now, what about early goose season? Um, is, is that like one of those things where you're checking out a week before the season starts or is that something you kind of put a little more time into? Well, you, you can start earlier than that with, with early geese. A lot of them are, are residents, you know, so they're, they've been doing the same thing for a month now, whether they're hitting a field or. It kind of depends because around here, most of the fields aren't cut right. uh, during early goose Correct. season. I mean, they're, they're not getting cut until, you know, end of October typically. Right. A lot of our early goose season, if you're hunting anything dry, it's usually grass fields or mm-hmm. pastures and stuff like that. Or um, like cattle fields. So cattle lots, a lot of, you know, farmers feed cattle corn. They don't digest all of it and the geese go through and pick them out. I know a lot of guys who actually had a lot of success. I think... Uh, Nick Scott actually used to have a lot of success doing that. Um, he messaged me a couple times. It was years ago, but uh, that he was going out to cattle pastures, and he ended up killing a few. Yeah, we, we definitely get after him in, in cattle pastures during the early season. So it's okay. not always well, there you go. Yeah, it's not always natural growth. Sometimes it's it's what the cattle leave behind or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, what about any tactics to go? And I know that you kind of said that. You know, teal season, you kind of just, you go out there, you know, you've seen some teal working that certain area, so you go out, you can throw pretty much any decoy out there, you're going to have a good time. Right. Um, so I would think maybe there's probably a little more strategy that comes into early goose season, so I guess we should probably stick with that. Right. Um, any tactics or, or strategies that you implement that so help I, your chances? I like to be as real as possible. I like to replicate what I see. So in early season... If I see 60 to 100 geese, I'm not going to throw the trailer at them because you, you might, I mean, you'll make them weary, you know, when they're, they're not used to seeing that many geese on this lake. And so they come over the hill and all of a sudden, holy crap, there's four or 500 uh, geese, you know, in their minds. We're outnumbered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and they're, they're a little more, uh, like they, they, they're with family groups a lot more often in the early season. So they're a little more like territorial almost where 
late season, you know, they're trying to feed on top of each other almost because everyone's hungry. Like, oh, there's a bunch of geese over there. There's got to be food there. So we're, we're, we're here, you know. But we're not fighting as food, fighting for food as bad during early season because, you know, they're not sleeping there's when it's 30 degrees outside. Yeah, yeah right. there's still plenty of stuff to go around. You know, they're not burning a bunch of energy. So they don't need to eat as much. They're, Pressure hasn't hit them yet exactly. either. They're kind of, they get territory. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen in a park in the summertime, sometimes you'll see geese chasing each other. Or little kids, yeah. Yeah, or little kids <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, they, they'll stick their neck down low and hiss and chase other geese or whatever. And they do that a lot in the in the feeding field. So sometimes your decoy, you know, your decoys won't be as uh, close together. Yeah, as, we'll spread them out a lot more. You know, they'll be in s- smaller family groups versus, you know, setting 20 or 30 here and there it'll be more like you know two four six maybe okay and so you you mentioned that you're going to kind of read what's going on Mm -hmm. at that time of the year if there's a certain amount of geese hitting this area you're going to try to emulate your decoys to that is there any calling tactics that you use in the early season that is different from any part of the other season yeah, in chances. early season, we, we generally won't call as much. Um, the geese aren't as talkative. Uh, there's not as big of groups, so you don't have to be as loud and aggressive. And then that kind of transitions into when it's, you know, late December, early January. There's 150 honkers in the air, and they're excited, so you're trying to match their energy, and you're trying to get excited with them. So, And that's I think that's important right there is matching energy. So I've there's been times where, you know, two geese are are talking back and forth with you in the late season and you're you know you're making a bunch of noise back at them and then there's been times where if they want to come in silent sometimes you know i might do a cluck here cluck there whatever just let them know that they're real geese or whatever but i'm not screaming at them so whatever those geese the energy that they're giving me i'm gonna feed right back to them but to an extent i mean once they hit you know 80 yards and they're locked up and everything most of the time it'll kind of relax a little bit because they're ready yeah they're already in so very cool yeah so you are part of final pass outdoors is that something that you and i know you kind of you know mentioned it a little bit earlier on in the in the episode but i want to know a little bit more about it you know i never really heard of it i'm not really big into waterfowl so Mm -hmm. don't take insult to that but uh, I know you guys are, you know, pretty well known on social media platforms. And so kind of tell me about Final Pass, how it got started and, and why you guys are doing it and what you guys are doing. So we just kind of decided we wanted to get into content a little bit and figured the, the best way to do that was just make like one page, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of collaborate together. Then we just kind of I mean, who, who who are we talking about? Again? So me and and my buddy Zach, we started that our freshman year of college. Okay. And How long ago was that? So that <laughs> I don't want to age I'll you. But... That was what five or six years ago now. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we've been doing it for a few years, and I mean, we're it's not like exclusive, you know. Oh, if you're not a part of us, you're not hunting with us. No, it's not yeah. like that at all. It's okay. just it's just kind of like the the us group of guys that care enough to try to make videos out of our hunts you know some guys just don't care they just want to hunt and that's that's enough for them right. which there's nothing wrong with that right but yeah. we just enjoy looking back and you know kind of reminiscing on all the hunts and having a little two or three minute hype video for the dry field 
goose hunt three years ago that we can watch 20 years down the road is awesome to me. Continue yeah. to get yourself exactly. fired up for the season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I can relate big time with that. You know, just I just started getting into f- filming some of my hunts and – you know, not it's not for everybody. You know, no. I still really enjoy the the hunting aspect, and if I had to put the camera away, I'd be s- so fine with that. But you're you're you nailed it with the reasoning as far as the memories that you get to make having that camera there. I mean, you can tell your buddies, oh, we had this many ducks, we had this many geese fly in. You wouldn't believe it. There was layers on layers. Right, they were but coming until you in. see it. And then they, everybody see, gets to see it. That's way cooler. Exactly. You know, it's like you get to share. You get, they get to be a, on the hunt with you. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's just it's nice having, you know, we've, we've had multiple guys that, you know, help fuel the fire. And they like having a camera in their hand more than a gun most of the time. I'm generally not the guy filming. I'm usually calling, calling the shot, working the dog, all that good stuff. So it's handy having the, everybody that likes to be involved and is blessed with a camera. Because we definitely have a couple guys that are very skilled on the camera. Yeah, and you guys got some nice cameras too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have to be talking to them because we're going to have to figure out how we're going to film our waterfowl hunts here yeah. Yeah. in the next season, you know, because last year I was running a camcorder, which is a little bit easier, I think, to to film. And now I've got kind of a best of both worlds, more professional type camera with taking photos and, and videos. So... We'll have to pick your brain and, and some of your buddies' brains about how to best film for, for waterfowl. Right. Yeah, I'm not the film expert, but I can, uh, <laughs> I, can, I can help in all the other aspects. Right. Something I thought that was pretty cool uh, before we started the podcast, you were showing me uh, these blinds that you guys are hunting in, uh, just out in the middle of nowhere, and you're still, you know, like you mentioned, sticking out, but not flaring anything. Yeah, not that's scaring a, anything that's the b- best thing. Yeah, we've we've switched to almost exclusively using A-frame blinds. You know, it's more comfortable. It's easier to shoot when you're st- you know, you're standing up. When we we call the shot, you stand up and you got your gun shouldered versus you're in a layout blind and you're on your butt doing a sit up and then your range of motion's way more restricted and you can't ever turn around and shoot behind you if the birds are doing something funky and Thankfully, we linked up with uh, Joe Harris with Blind Spot Outdoors last year, and he makes a great product, very light, easy to use, and it's it's tall enough, actually. It's, it's a little bit taller than a lot of the standard A-frames that I've ran into, which for most people doesn't matter, but I'm a pretty big guy, so like like the Avian X-style A-frames, right. I pretty well have to be sitting on my butt in, in those, you know? Right. I can't. I can't be on a bucket like most guys, or I'm sticking way up above the blind, and obviously that's <laughs> pretty not tall work. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've we've had great success with those, and it doesn't really matter the terrain necessarily, as long as you grass those things up real well. I mean, they'll hide. I think talking about it just doesn't do it, it, it justice. Do, it because I mean, those pictures, you guys were blending in, but still sticking out. But you yeah. could tell that there was a reason why the waterfowl weren't. Do you have any of uh, those uh, pictures with the blind in the background on your page? Oh, yeah. Uh, What's your Instagram? It's just uh, at FP Outdoors. Right on. All right. That that way people can go check it out. Put one as the cover photo also. Yeah. Yeah, our logo is the cover photo, so it's not hard to to miss. So you guys video your hunts. How long have you been doing that for? We've been doing that 
almost as long as, I mean, pretty much when we started the page is when we got into video and the hunts. Uh, there's, like I said, there's been a couple guys that we've linked up with around our area. We've already kind of been hunting with them since we were in high school and kids. So, and they just kind of went their way with the camera and blew up, you know, they do, do great work. So cool. And, uh, do you guys just do hype videos or, I mean, what, what kind of videos are you putting out? Just whole hunt videos? We, we don't, we haven't really got into the whole hunt videos. We, we've thought about doing that before, but, uh, for the most part, we just do, you know, the action shots that everybody wants to see. I mean, some people are into the, oh, the wind is so-and-so and the birds are moving in from this low flake at this time. But I know a lot of people. They're just they'll like look at those videos. Forward. Yeah, they'll yeah. flip right through that. Yeah. They don't care. They just want to see the, what everybody wants to see, the birds coming in. And, right, the work. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so some, some people try to like do a little bit of education. Exactly. And kind of set the stage for what's about to happen. And then right. you guys just like watching we, we what's just happening. Like, yeah, we just like the quick hype videos. I mean, we, we might dabble in that eventually. But yeah. for now, it's the kill shot. That's what, that's what we do. That's what the right. people want. Yeah, you give the, the people exactly. what the people want. Yeah. Yeah, that's the goal, and and yeah, if you're getting into it, and you know you're not a you know you don't know exactly what to do whenever you're getting out there, those those whole hunt videos are you know value very valuable oh, for, for sure. those guys. Um, but yeah, if you're if you've been doing it for ten fifteen years and you're just like, all right, let's see some, bur-, you know, yeah. you're just sitting yeah. in the off season just dreaming, just wanting to wanting to scratch that itch and and. Some of them guys do a great job of uh, of making quick films like that, and you know they might. What I like about them is is uh, the cutting, like maybe ten second bit of just what the guys are doing in the blind and stuff like that. Just after a stellar group comes in, I mean, where everybody's pumped up. Oh yeah, and, we'll definitely yeah. keep that in there. Yeah, those, those are those, those, are those are clips fun. are always nice. Yeah. Those just are, seeing the pure joy in everybody's eyes, right. like a bunch of little kids out there. Yeah, everybody's running out to go get birds and all that. Well, that's what it's all about, you know. It's about the good times, hanging with the good with your friends, and and sharing those memories, and then and then getting to see it and produce it yeah. for other people to see. That's really cool. Uh, Editing really is fun. the worst, but it's the second <laughs> you click publish and it's all together, it all it makes it worth it for, for sure. sure. I would agree. But I would agree. You got any big plans this year? For any traveling, as far as for hunts, or? I'm sure I'll go up to Wisconsin a few times with with uh, with old Curdy up there. But other than that, yeah, I don't think I. I mean, we'll we'll venture out into Kansas, even though I'm living here now. But right, I'm I'm gonna see if I can if I can get away. I'm not. I probably won't be. I have a, a kid on the way, so I probably won't be able to. But uh, I would like to go out west again. Hunting birds out west, man, is just. I mean. It's a lot easier because there's not a million people trying to hunt them. You know, they're not stale. I didn't make it far enough west for that, unfortunately. I yeah. was still a little bit in the yeah. suburban areas, but I think I ran into two other hunters the whole time I was in Colorado. Yeah, that sounds nice. It was awesome. Yeah, and they were both old men. <laughs> the <laughs> so best, the best seasoned veterans, too. right? Yeah. So, so they probably weren't shooting at birds. 200 feet in the air no no and the only thing that was is kind of rough about hunting out west is you obviously have elevation difference and walking through mud here sucks walking through mud at 
8,000 feet is freaking brutal. Like the third day, you're kind of used to it. But the first and the second day, like, and, and there was a couple times, like we got into a pond, there was a bunch of, uh, I don't even know what kind of weeds these things were, but you get up to the edge of the bank and then you had to climb up like three more feet to get on top of the weeds. And then you had to make it 80 yards out and like you would step, step, fall through, step, step, fall through. It was rough. It was rough. And then we were like, you know what? We're not hunting here anymore. And then we went to a different spot and it was okay, but the mud still sucks. There's definitely a fine line. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm game to work hard but there's a there's a line you yeah. gotta draw it's like okay am i really gonna stop through this mud for five miles for a couple right. of ducks i don't yeah. know i don't think so <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the big catch with waterfowl hunting these days is that you you go and you're in a blind and you're enjoying your friend's company and having a good time waiting on right waterfowl to come in that's my thing i mean that's that's what made me fall in love with it is literally just out there with the boys just hanging out and then when you see the group of geese, it gets serious, and then we, you know, get into them, retrieve them, and we're just back to hanging out again. Yeah. Right. Don't have to be quiet. No worried about your scent. Yeah. Unless it's too bad, then I might get on to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. But. I. You got I, any more questions? I don't know, dude. Is there anything early season that you wanted to touch on that you didn't get a chance to uh, before we get off here? I think I gave you most of the information I have. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these videos you guys got this year, and I'm going to be definitely looking out for your page. Go ahead and tell us, what's your Instagram again? It's uh, Final Pass Outdoors, and our our logo is the profile picture for it. Okay. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook, and then the videos, are they on YouTube or anything like that, or is it just on? We're just on Instagram and Facebook right now. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Alex, thanks for coming on. It was good talking waterfowl with you, Travis. I hope that we uh, we hopefully scratch a little bit of that itch you got yeah, going on there. I needed it. But uh, I needed it. I'm I'm thinking that we're going to be talking a lot more waterfowl this year than we did last year. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be getting some different guys on, talking different aspects of the season, and we wanted to touch a, a little bit on early season before we get into it. Yeah, and and hopefully uh, some of this information will help people out. Um, before before we go, what's your if you could name one day as far as conditions, what do you like the best for hunting hawkers? Uh, it's got to be cold. I mean, it. Uh, are we hunting a field or are we hunting a lake? Field. Field. I would want it to be like twenty twenty five degrees, and I prefer when it's cloudy. Geese geese fly more when it's cloudy than I, around here anyway. Right, yeah. And obviously I want some wind, but I don't want too much. I'm like 10, 12 10, miles an yeah. hour. Once you start getting like 15 to 20, they start to get a little weird. And if you call the shot, you know, they, they, can they, all, they all pull quick. up. You may only get one shot and that they put that wind in their wings and they're gone. Okay. All right. Right on. There it is. Well, folks, I – Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll be getting back to more whitetail talk here, but we'll definitely be doing some waterfowl podcasts in the coming season. And I appreciate you guys making it this far, and we'll see you on the next one.